Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast and welcome Jack and James, the founders of Free Train. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Very good, thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you both here and to be back in the studio yet again. I'm loving recording with people again, not just dialing in via Zoom from my home. And I'll be honest, I'm really excited to have this conversation today for two reasons. So firstly, what I've read about you both, I really have loved researching the journey. I love the story. And so I can't wait to get into all of that. I've got loads of questions. And secondly, because for any of the listeners who are familiar with Free Train, the the brand and also the Free Train, specifically the running vest, then they've probably seen me wearing it on Instagram. I am a customer of yours. I bought the product a few years ago, I think. And I've even bought them as gifts for other people. We see them everywhere. You cannot go to a London park and see people running or cycling without seeing your free train running vest product they are everywhere so congratulations on that on the success well, thanks very much it's uh, really nice to hear are you aware of that or are you like do you know what i mean do you know that that literally everywhere you go you see people wearing them um we get told that but it's, it's one of those things where on a daily basis we don't see it too much and we always get texts and pictures sent by other people so it's like this whole world going on outside of what we see on a day-to-day basis so you know to speak to you and hear that that's that's fantastic awesome well before we dive in and also some people might be listening and going free train what is that best if they haven't seen it where have you been so we're going to dive into all of that but first James, can you tell us a bit about how you and Jack met and take us back, take us back to the start of this story? Sure. So we actually met 10 years ago. Um, We both come from a professional footballing background and I just left uh, Warsaw. Uh, I was on the lookout for a new club. Uh, I'd had a few trials and stuff and deals that had fallen through. And then I uh, I just started training with uh, Burton Albion, where Jack was already there previously. And um, we actually got sort of squashed together. So I'd been there for a couple of weeks. I'd signed. Uh, and then one of the senior players said, you know, you guys should uh, travel in together. And it's always a bit of an awkward standoff because you're looking across the dressing room at this guy that you've never really met before. And, uh, you know, you're going, do we have the same interest? Do, what's, who's going to fight over the music and whatnot <laughs> sitting in the car? And then it just turns out you meet uh, at the McDonald's in the morning. You've got a half an hour journey tunes start going on and he start going do you know what we're actually we've got a lot in common so we started talking from then on and uh, a real friendship has blossomed over the last 10 years and I think that has been one of our positive things is because we are and always were friends beforehand who have similar interests similar morals and similar thought processes so you know it's uh, it's it's been a fantastic journey for us to play football separate and then we met back up again again at Nuneaton uh, and then that's when our sort of our, our visions changed and we started looking away from football and started looking at something else which is 
ultimately what you see today in free trade. Mm, awesome. Well, yeah, I definitely want to, I guess, loop back in a moment to that, the the friendship part of starting a business, because I think a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurial people will be thinking about, you know, if they start a business either with their partner or with friends, how they navigate and protect that relationship. So, yeah, I definitely want to loop back to that. Jack, anything to add about, I guess, yeah, going thinking back to the football days when you were training to, yeah, I guess, professional football, professional sport, that was, I guess, before thinking about yeah starting a business. Had you had you always grown up thinking that's what I want to do? Were you one of those boys? I'm going to be a footballer, and then you did it. I think if you if you if you want to be a professional at, at sports, especially, I think you've almost got to have that mindset. Um, I think most sports people would say that. Certainly from a younger age, when it was, I say, less pressure. I thought I want to be a footballer. This is everything. Every second I get, I want to kick a ball around. Um, so definitely had that belief and that want to to be a professional early on. I think the older you get, certainly from my point of view, when the pressure started to come on, I think things changed slightly. Um, I think you, I certainly felt the pressure at you know kind of seventeen, eighteen when things started to get serious. Still have that belief that you want to make it, but I probably started just questioning myself a little bit and questioning my ability from the pressures that were that were on me really. Um, but the good thing about that is as I've gone on through my career in, in other aspects, the pressure that, let's say, we feel in like a business environment now is far less than when I was 18 because at the time it was like I didn't think there was any, couldn't be any more pressure. And it kind of taught me, you know, how to deal with that, how to kind of, yeah, just, just manoeuvre through it really. Mm. Um, so I'm glad it happened. But, yeah, it's very um, it's a very tough thing to do, make it as a professional. Mm. Um, I think, you know, football... The dropout rate and the people that actually make it from, you know, 18 is so small, mm. um, you know, and at the time you, you believe you're going to make it. And I think almost the quicker you can realise to make it and have a, a career out of it, you've, you've got to be exceptional. Um, and, and, you know, in hindsight, looking back, you probably have a bit more of a backup plan, but you, you have to be tunnel visioned, absolutely, mm. and believe you're going to make it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really interesting because I hear you on the mindset part. You have to believe, of course, if you're going to dedicate yourself to a sport, to any sport, and to being a professional. I'm always absolutely, uh, you know, inspired and, and in, in admiration of people that dedicate their lives to sport because it does take so much. But then, as you said, if you have that in your mind that well, actually, I need to have a backup plan then yeah maybe are you going to be all in 100% and you mentioned pressure a lot there I'd like to kind of go back on that where at that time you said you know when the pressure was on at 18 it was it was really really tough and that served you now but where was that pressure do you think coming from was that external was it pressure you put on yourself was it from I don't know your your coaches your peers where was that pressure that you felt well at the time when I was 18 I was at Aston Villa um, and looking to get my pro contract and and the couple of years before that 16 17 I think it was external uh, from the coaches and from the environment we're in because I think at the time Villa were in the European Cup spots and it was you know a Premier League club and to think you've got to get to the first team, it was like, I've got, I've really got to be good. And you start to, you know that you're being judged all the time as to whether you're going to get a pro contract. You know, they don't just hand them out, you know, to anyone. So you feel like you're being judged, whether that's around the training ground, whether that's on the pitch. And, you know, having the mindset where you feel the pressure, you make a mistake, and you think, ah, maybe I don't want to do that again or I don't want to get the ball, where you flip it around. I think that the people that have the mindset that can really kick on in that football environment almost have that, doesn't matter when, what anyone else thinks I know I'm good enough mm. and I think if you can have that that strong belief and not have that you know impacted by anyone you see those people go further I think you really need that 
that I'm going to be the best mentality and I let the pressure you know looking back now just just listen to too many people's opinions and then started thinking am, am I quite good enough and then funnily enough when I left uh, the villa and when I linked up with James at Burton which was a drop down in standards it was league two as opposed to Premier League I felt like you know all the pressure was off and then funnily enough my performances were a lot better then started enjoying it more so it's so easy to look back now and think I could see the problem I just let the pressure get to me mm-hmm. but I, I do think it was from the environment yeah very very pressure yeah it's it's so interesting hearing that I think as also you know we all have different personalities and you know as a mother I certainly see you know I go and watch my son on the sideline and it's it's he plays football and it's fun and you know kids are supposed to enjoy it they're 10 but already like you say the coaches the parents it's actually honestly sometimes it's comedy I have to laugh because they're you know it's good that the parents are so invested but you do think flipping heck every time they get the ball you know someone's shouting something at them you know whether it's to get in a space whether it's to you know pass here do this do that like head up you know that's your it, it, you stand there and you're thinking oh my gosh I feel by the second half like the anxiety I'm like oh my gosh I can't wait for this to be over and it's just supposed to be fun we forget I mean it's very different what you're describing you know that is um you know professional sport very very different but I do think that the mindset that you were describing where some whether it's children whether it's adults even sometimes that pressure can put can help you to perform at your best you can go right when the eyes are on me when the spotlight's on me that is when I shine actually I had a, a, a crossfit athlete matt fraser on the podcast and he said exactly that he said he was a performer mm. when it mattered the most when the when there were ten thousand people watching he could deliver then and only then he couldn't even do it when he was just training whereas i think some people it's definitely the way around you know they know they can do it whether it's singing in their bedroom whether it's you know performing a, a sports something in sports and then when the pressure's on they they feel the nausea they buckle they crumble and they just it's so frustrating probably for them because it's like hang on this is when i need to be able to deliver it and now I can't do it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's I think that's true, and I think you know at the same time I don't want it to sound like all negative. There's some great moments and stuff there, um, but I think yeah, the old the quicker you can mature, I think you can almost take a step outside and look at what that pressure is, and then utilize it in the in the best way. You know, not get too worked up for things. You know, not get too nervous used because you're going to lose your you, you know your energy and stuff. But appreciate the situation and try and channel it in the right way. And I think the quicker you can do that, again, you see the top athletes, the quicker they can identify that, the better. For me, when it was when I dropped down a level and the pressure was off, I I thought the pressure was off. Started to relax, started to play better, mm. um, even in front of bigger crowds and stuff. You know, yeah. so I think it was just a case of yeah, channeling that using the pressure because you know like like you say pressure can be a good thing hmm. you know you can you can have your best performances under under pressure um in training you don't get it so i just think it's yeah managing it and figuring out how to use it and everyone will be different in that aspect yeah absolutely and so so you met in football and like i say we've gone back and am i right in thinking that your was it for both of you actually that you you had injuries and was that the reason that you stopped playing football or was that just one of the one of the factors I'd say one of the factors, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think life takes over and you get to a certain age where you have decisions to make. Um, I think I think as you sort of drop down the levels and stuff, you know, your kind of enjoyment or your love of the things which sort of tick the boxes for you, they can dwindle away. Um, from my perspective, it was the bigger crowds that really got my buzz. And I think the more you drop down and say the levels, the level kind of diminishes a little bit, you start looking elsewhere and you start actually looking away from this thing that you follow for the last 10, 15 years of your life and you go, right then, this is time to actually build my life. There is something on the other side of the fence 
um, and, you know, and that comes in terms of relationships, um, you know, life goals, children, and that sort of thing. And then your responsibilities change. Mm. I think as your responsibilities change, your mindset changes. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think that's where we started looking at other things like normal life and, and actual proper jobs and that sort of thing. <laughs> proper jobs. Yeah, proper jobs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, you kind of find that balance and you go, right, what is it I actually want to do for the rest of my life? Mm. Okay, so I'm going to fast forward a little bit because I'm sure there's a lot of things that go on from there to uh, to where you are today. So what was, I guess, the initial start of Free Train? Did you get together and go, right, we want to start a business. Let's come up with 20 different ideas and pick the best one. Or did you come together with this in mind? How did that start? So, um, again, I think this is where we sort of dropping down the levels and we were playing for an uneaten and uh, I think the the truth of the matter was we, we weren't really enjoying it. We were training twice a week. We were driving in thinking, oh, my God, this is terrible. How long is this going to last for? And, um, you know, we go, right, we've got to get out of this. We've got to do something where we don't need to rely on football anymore. We had our day jobs and stuff, but that wasn't really what was getting us, uh, getting our buzz going. Uh, and we had loads of ideas in the car, so we'd be sitting driving, what about this? Um, we actually came up with the idea of a portable blender. Mm-hmm. This was about eight years ago. Um, you know, and we kind of just dropped that and we didn't actually go through with it. Turns out someone's done that today. Oh, I think they've made fortunes off it, but um, you know, so we had stuff like that. We wanted to build houses, and then you start going, Is that really viable? Can you do this? And then we actually came up with an idea for an app which mm-hmm. we were running with for about a year. And then you realize how expensive it is to get an app off the ground, and you think about these are the means and these are the ways to do it. And we came to the conclusion of actually making a physical product, yeah. Um, you know whether we sell something that already exists and I remember it was actually in the summer and we'd both been training in the off season both been out running similar thing you're out running with your phone in your hand uh, headphone wires going everywhere your hands getting sweaty you're changing over and the idea just popped up what about something that can hold your phone Mm. it's like oh it's like a eureka moment and we just started spitballing we had some made Um, I think the original one we bought some neoprene and Jack's grandmother actually uh, stitched the first one together and it looked like a bulletproof vest <laughs> um, and we were like looking at it in the car park I actually remember this we were in the car park of the gym and we had it on and it was a bit like we can't really run with this though can we <laughs> like being chased yeah literally yeah <laughs> um, it looked like something from Line of Duty so then in the end we decided to uh, go home cut one out of a t-shirt the shape which isn't too dissimilar from the one that we've got now but it was just a t-shirt mm. so then we had to start the process and you know really start developing it and getting the right materials the right balance and that sort of thing yeah yeah i love this i love hearing the the story the journey you know like i said uh, having an idea is one thing a lot of people have ideas a lot of people have good ideas but they might not have the they might have the will they might have the the skills the access whatever it is to execute on that idea and to really build it and to say okay let's build a prototype or let's do some research into this market let's see if this idea can become a product and also I think what I'd say is people often say well everything's been done now so I'm sure let's be honest going for a run there was there were options available right so there were maybe arm running cases maybe there were ones that go around your waist that like bang up and down maybe there's like pockets on shorts so there's some things out there it's not like no one's ever thought of okay where do people want to put their phone but you clearly found something that was an underserved market because people still as you you know you know it yourself right people ask you like where can I put your keys where do you put your phone like how do you do this when you're out running and I think the phone is probably the thing that people want the most because they're listening to music or they're listening to the power hour podcast or they you know they may be using it for uh, the maps Strava um, 
map my run all of these things so i think yeah you definitely had it right people want to have their phones on them at all times you know let's yeah. let's be honest um and yes yes there must have been a gap where people i think personally as a customer just giving you my feedback i feel like you really nailed that design of making it look good and also it doesn't move that was the yeah. thing you know your phone whatever i had whatever i used before it's moving around and so the fact it doesn't move and the fact that it does look good i remember wearing it once with like a sports bra and shorts and it was summer and my son was like i think he said it looked like um like a like a tomb raider you know <laughs> and he was like oh it's cool and i remember thinking yeah you know i can take that it looks pretty cool so i think you definitely um yeah you've obviously c- cracked it so you started there um then what you know how did it go from that to where it is today jack i'm gonna go back to you well that's uh that's the long question <laughs> there's um i mean we touched on it earlier there's there's so much that happened in between that i mean yeah we 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 knew that this idea, idea would work and we had these um prototypes made uh quite local to us and we started testing them and we we're thinking yeah like this this really does work and you know, we, we we would be our normal customers, you know, so we're thinking, well, if this does work and we can make it a bit cooler, like you say, and it fits good and whatnot, then we knew we had something. Um, and then once we knew we had something to get to where we are now, there's been so many um, interesting things that have happened. I, th- I think the first thing we thought was, well, how do we get this made? Um, we started making it locally in Wolverhampton. We found a clothing manufacturer and we thought, well, if we can get the, uh, prop- you know, the materials in, because uh, it's you know made of like a neoprene, we couldn't get that in the UK. So we thought, well, if we can get that, get it made in Wolverhampton, um, which wasn't the best way to do it in terms of how much it cost us to make. But we got a product made, and we had 500 made to start with. Um, and then again, the feedback was fantastic because people were saying what we believed. This does work. It's really really simple, but it solves that problem of like when we're going to put the phone when I'm when I'm running. Mm. Um, so once we got the feedback from the exterior people you know that this does work it was like right we're on to something here and then it was a case of we've got to find you know manufacturers we've got to think about how this might you know go into a business we've got to kind of get the products in we've got to sell them how much should we sell it for there's nothing else else out there like it so it was just that's the benefit of having the two of us because mm. everything we've done to this day without telling you like i say there's so much that have happened as to how we are today but we just figure it out and i think that's you know James touched on earlier in terms of how we met and how we moved forward it's been great having two of us and also I think a great takeaway is having surrounding yourself with people where you can just you know you've got the same things in common where you can bash an idea together and then come out with an outcome and whether that's you know right or wrong we come out with an outcome and Mm. to to where we were to where we are now we've just had to figure it out there was no real blueprint we followed you know how do we find a manufacturer well we'll go on google We'll look on YouTube. I think that's the, that's the beauty of the world we're in now. Most of the answers are out there. It's just a case of figuring them out. And with two of us, I believe we've, you know, we've made a lot of right decisions to mm. get to where we are now. Yeah. But, you know, there's, there's so much, so many ups and downs, so many funny stories. Going out to China, um, you know, finding manufacturers um, without any experience whatsoever, you know. <laughs> I wish, going I out mean, there is complete novices it was like there's, there's there's 10 stories from our first trip to china i bet i wish you'd i wish you'd um i guess taken a gopro or, or a video and vlogged that experience because i guess i mean before we go into that you know hearing that you made it up as you went along essentially i love that i think so often people will say well i don't have the expertise for that or i don't know somebody there or how can i do this and they almost want like you said a blueprint they want someone else to tell them here's the step-by-step guide here's what you need to do when of course if you can find that then you know of course get information and and do research but I think what 
I love about this is you're not from a fashion or marketing background. You're not from, you know, maybe you go to business school, design school. You've just said, this is a product. This is an idea. Let's test and learn. Let's get 500. Let's figure out how to get it manufactured. Just do, just do, you know, take action. And by taking action, you will learn your course correct. You'll get feedback and you can keep doing and you can keep going. And it's not to say that every person who has an idea is going to start a business that will have the success that you've had. But I do think it's a really powerful honest story to go this is how we did it and that I think should inspire people to go actually it's doing the work nothing can replace doing the work you know putting in the time one question I would ask though which maybe some of the listeners might be thinking is did you have to have capital you know did you have to have a cash injection did you both have to invest some money and go okay we're going to put this much in or did you yeah did you kind of do it all um as as strict and as bare as possible what was that like i think that's one of the uh one of the magic things is we uh we started coaching at a, a local school so we thought we're going to have to raise some money to get like they say the first samples made the first 500 so we went to local school we pitched them we'd teach the teachers fitness classes the kids after school classes whether that's boxer size keep fit so we went there with a little business plan even for that again with no real experience and then we managed to Uh, get like a six-month contract teaching after-school classes. So we did that with the teachers, did it with the kids and managed to to save some money to put into the first stage of development, the first units, because without that we just wouldn't have done it. But again, we didn't just go and get a handout off someone. We thought, right, well, how do we do this? And I think that shows the longevity in it. I think Mm. a lot of these days, a lot of people want that quick answer. That's, Mm. oh, we need this money, let's just do that. We thought, well, this is probably six months away from us raising this money. There's no shortcut to that. We've got to go and earn it. Um, and we did that. We went and teach uh, teaching schools, fitness yeah. classes. Wicked. See, again, I love it. Putting in the time, putting in the effort, going, okay, we need some cash. Let's go out. And it's, it's kind of that old school mindset, right, that a lot of entrepreneurs talk about. We see these entrepreneurs once they've, you know, built a tech company or once they're millionaires or whatever. And often they'll say, yeah, back in the day, I used to go out and wash cars or I used to go out and walk dogs. Or I'd do whatever I could to get the coins up, to get the cash together, to do the next part. And, you know, I think that is maybe the part that we don't always see and celebrate, especially with the online culture you know it's like we all want to see the the end story and the the highlights reel but I think that bit for me is I don't know I feel like that's almost the best bit you know like rolling Mm. up your sleeves getting started I'm someone who loves I love the start of things I think that part's uh maybe the bit that I enjoy the most actually yeah no I would completely agree I think um and I think the it is it is a true word in terms of entrepreneur or entrepreneurship but I think that word almost glamorizes what it, what it actually is. And I think as we've moved forward, we've always never called ourselves entrepreneurs, but more so problem solvers. We look at problems and we solve them, mm. i.e. there's a problem with carrying your phone in your hand or bouncing around your waist or where do you put your keys, where do you put your phone? And we just solve problems individually as we see them. Mm. The same thing for raising the money. You know, there's no secret bank. There's no, un, you know, uh, wishing well of funds. So how do we go out and we make money? And then we use our own tools, our own backgrounds in fitness and football and whatnot, and we solve problems with the tools that we have. Mm. And so how has it accelerated? Because like I said, it seems like you've had you know, so much success and I feel as though you know these things don't just happen by accident. So again, marketeers hat on. I feel like, were you very specific from the start about, okay, this is who our customer is going to be. This is the demographic. This is um, you know, how we're going to price it. This is where we're going to market it. For example, you know, with social media, influencer marketing, did you focus specifically on 
football or did you focus on runners like how did that evolve because I feel like from an outside looking in it did look very slick and intentional like a really yeah well thought out uh, marketing plan but often I'm always surprised and I would never want to assume because sometimes people go no it was an accident actually we designed this to be one thing and then the market told us it was something completely different and our customers weren't what we expected so yeah which way around was it for you yeah no it's, it's definitely gone the way that we thought it would and it's definitely hit the people that we wanted it to hit but there was no real master plan in there it was very much what gets our buzz so it was down to say uh, people who influenced us so again that that word influencer is more so about the person who you resonate with so people who we resonated with we wanted them to have the product mm. things we wanted to see on instagram from a brand we tried to do and you know we stretched ourselves quite thin in terms of marketing because what we did was is we saw a level of quality in terms of our image and thought if we saw another brand with those images taken on iPhones of the two same people over and over again it's never going to take off people aren't going to buy into it and we realized that the more that we invest into into the visual side of the brand and say the desire the more the desire would come back to us and it was sort of like one hand wash the other. I love it. I mean, I could talk about marketing and brand all day long, which I'm sure for some people is not the most interesting and engaging topic, but I, I think it's fascinating because ultimately it's behaviour economics, right? It's looking at what yeah. people do, why they do it, what they spend money on, how much they're willing to spend and why. And I think often, you know, if you think about the big some of the biggest brands in the world, they might not be selling a product that is that different to anybody else's, but it's the brand, it's the association of if you're this kind of person you wear these kind of clothes or you go to this kind of place and whether we like it or not whether we kind of say oh that's capitalism and that's gross regardless we are all influenced by others and things we you know we don't live in isolation i always say we live with others so how have you protected your working relationship you know you were friends first how have you navigated and and kept that and how do you you mentioned making decisions you know different skill sets you each bringing different things to the table but ultimately was it ever said you know like oh our friendship needs to come first because business can they say don't mix work and pleasure so how have you navigated that i think you're right a lot of people will say that don't do it i'd like to give you some you know detailed explanation to this but I've not once really overthought it. James might say something different, but like, I don't. I don't think you need to really overthink it. I think you wouldn't go into business with someone that, let's say, you don't trust or is not. You don't see them having benefits. But we've just gone through this, and um, you know, like, just figured it out as we've gone. Like, I, I don't. I don't. I can't say we looked and said, well, in three years' time, we've got to be careful of this because if we're friends now and business gets like intense and stuff, I think it's one of those things. It's just figured itself out on the way and I think there's some real positives to it yes it's been stressful at times and you do think at times this business side of it is so intense Mm. as long as you can come away from that occasionally and let's say whether it's I don't know trips away for example where you can you can get that friendship thing and oh yeah we're great pals as well when it does get intense as long as you can keep hold of that Mm. but I think from a business point of view if, if you choose to go into business with the right partner and you'll have certain similarities and certain polar opposites I think that's where you get the magic and you know looking back now we've had you know like you know certain I might think one thing James might think another and it's that's where the the gold has come because the outcome to that can often be like almost like it's got two sides so it's got two brains to get to the correct outcome um and just the just I think I think it moves the less mistakes so to speak because Mm. you've got two 
two kind of brains uh, deciding one answer. That that's my answer to it. I've not overthought it. Yeah, it sounds great. And taking those learnings uh, on with you. So. With all that said, tell us, if you can, what you're working on next. What's, what are you excited about for the free train future? Well, uh, I think we've got a few big years coming up. I think, um, you, you know, circling back to what you said before about the overall plan and the business plan, we always knew that one product was never going to last forever and there were always going to be competitors. There were always some people out there that would look at what we're doing and either try and copy it mm. Um, or you know, try and do something slightly different. Again, you have to stay current as a business and as a brand. Um, and you know, I think we had this conversation about two years, well, two and a half years ago now, about evolving. And you know, we're kind of at the stage now where we've sold a decent amount of units, and our name is quite decent. And we're planning on expanding into um, performance apparel now. So. Is this an exclusive? Do people know about this yet? No, you are the first person exclusive. Yeah. Yes. The first person to know about this. Love that. Heard it here first on the <laughs> podcast. I love that. That's really, really exciting. I mean, as you know, as the listeners will know, I'm someone who wears a lot of performance apparel, you know, as a runner, as someone who trains. And um, yeah, I think that's really, really exciting. I'm excited to see what comes next, where it goes. Yeah, scary. Yeah, so are we. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, um, you know, from when we had the conversation we said right we're going to quit our jobs we're going to go for it um amazing journey with the vest you know as, as an accessory as a problem solver fantastic but our, our vision has always been to create um free train as a brand and really what we the conversations we have behind closed doors and what we really want to create if we can you know make other people believe in that which we do believe we can i think that'll be a success um because the brand we believe we can create and we're on the path to creating uh, is something really special mm. and we uh, we hope you'll believe in that too when you see the stuff yeah I'm looking forward to it I guess you know it's always nice to hear as well you'll probably uh, you know work with young people you probably talk to a lot of young people I'm sure you get a lot of questions from people but who I guess do you go to for advice who do you look to who I guess yeah is do you have external people that are a sounding board for you as well as obviously being business partners yourselves to be completely honest a lot of it happens internally right I think again just going back to the the fact that there's two of us, we pull things in from other directions. We're always watching what other people are doing. We always look at brands the likes of Nike and say, what have they done well? What haven't they done well? But I think ultimately you look at some of the brands out there and we're not going to name any of them, but there's a few out there that try and emulate to the nth degree other certain brands. And you can see it a mile off. Mm. And I think the one thing, as we said, is everything that we create is in our own image if that makes sense mm -hmm. is what we want to create so it's down to our values i.e um you know and, it, and it's not to tick a box it's because we believe in it so our items the majority of them have a recycled or organic element to them um in terms of the people that we want to represent as i think is quite obvious we look very different mm -hmm. almost like we wouldn't share the same car on the way to training mm -hmm. um you know so we bring our own experiences and our experiences of the world and we're trying to create a brand that is for everyone mm -hmm. and the diversity within the company mm -hmm. and that extends to our staff as well mm -hmm. who are fantastic we want to emulate that and a brand is more than just the products that you sell it's the feeling that it gives the consumer and ultimately that is what we've been working towards for the last two years really mm. yeah good for you and i guess for audio listeners who are thinking well actually i don't know what they look like um james how would you describe what you look like 
Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I could describe you. you, you I would describe, describe you, you as, as looking like a very young, well, you're a black man, a yeah. young, fresh-faced as well. I don't know how much you found that in, in the business world of people going, hang on a minute, how old are you? Are you old enough? Um, and then James, obviously being a white man, also looking very young and fresh, I'll be honest. And even you just... led with like six foot four then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, he's six foot four. He's very attractive. Um, but I think also being northern and not, you know, being, I guess, like, down to earth, real real people, I and mean, that sounds strange, but I guess sometimes people do think of the way you look, the way you present. Coming in, someone said to me uh, uh, this morning, actually, in a meeting, they said, oh, they didn't know how to dress for it because it's quite a big corporation where we were going, and they said, oh, you know, wanted to put on a shirt and tie, and there is that feeling of you've got to look a certain way or or there's an expectation there. So, yeah, I'd say two young, two young guys who look like normal guys. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I think just alluding to that there, what you just said about not necessarily looking like your typical entrepreneur or businessman or whatever. There are some doors to kick down that we that we do kick down and that we know you can't kick down instantly, but mm. over a period of time, give us half an hour, an hour, a couple of days, and you'll see that we are, without blowing our own trumpets here, the real deal, mm. especially as a, as a pair. Yeah, definitely. And like, you know, I think I said it earlier, but it's so true, like, the conversations and the, the things we talk about which we want to try and have an impact on people the real dna of what we're about as a as a duo and what the brand is about as a whole like if we can get that magic across which we really believe we can then it will be special because we know the core values are um yeah True. they're one of a kind yeah yeah well good luck I'm, as i said i don't know how much you knew that I knew your company but I think yeah as soon as um I think if someone from your team reached out and I was like wicked I was like I use this vest I've used it for a long time and like I said just seeing the evolution of your brand over the last few years I don't know how much the the pandemic accelerated you know everybody was out running and it seemed like everybody was wearing the vest so it's been exciting to watch I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next and yeah I really hope that it's a continued success thank you I find it difficult to focus at the best of times, but at the moment, I think coming out of the pandemic where we're getting into hybrid, you know, some things are in person, some things are online, we're trying to do both, we're managing a lot, the world seems to be getting busier again, and this word busy, I try to not to associate myself with, and I feel like focus is so hard for me right now. Some days I just think, what am I focusing on today? So this week especially, I've started to really take my own advice, go back to my, you know, power hour and be 
really intentional to try and find focus. So over to you, let's start with Jack. What is your power hour like? Typically, what time do you get up and what do you do with the first hour of your day? Well, I'm, it might sound like a bit of a weirdo here, but I'm pretty structured in the uh, in the morning time. So uh, I do the same thing every morning. Uh, I wake up at five o'clock. Um, I go downstairs, I have two glasses of water and a double espresso, and then I'll do 45 minutes of exercise, whether that's be running, boxing with James, uh, swimming, biking, um, and then a few weights. So I like to, my first hour basically is exercise, come back, have a shower, and ready for the day, get my overnight oats out the fridge, and that, that happens every single day, apart from Sunday, where I have a game of golf. Um, but for me, that's over over the years of learning, my personal goal is to just be the best version of myself. I know that sounds quite cliche, but it is, whether that's in you know, relationships, work, uh, sport, um, and that little power hour, I know that so far that's the best version of how I can do it. I'm always trying to unlock new things, whether it's you know like meditation stuff, but for me right now, uh, yeah, exercise first thing in the morning, get a sweat on, have a nice shower, ready for the day. Simple as I can explain it. I love it. I didn't even pay him to say that. You see, that I feel like that's the perfect power hour guest. But, you know, not that there's any right or wrong way, but, you know, definitely the repetition part. You know, when you said, oh, it might be strange to do the same thing every day. I don't think that is strange. I think for someone who is busy and you probably have to make lots of decisions in the day, you might have to be creative, you might have to think about lots of things. Personally, I think the repetition piece of knowing that I open my eyes, I do this, I do this, I do this, and you know it's going to start you off in the right way, it takes out the decision making you don't want to be making decisions surely first thing in the morning thinking what am I going to do like am I going to exercise am I not what exercise am I going to do am I going to I think having that repetition is is really really powerful yeah James what do you do first thing in the morning well uh we're saying we've got uh morals to the core but uh <laughs> do you live together no okay <laughs> I was like wow <laughs> <laughs> but we're uh we're probably polar opposites on this front um on on the whole, I'm a I'm a five o'clock starter myself. Yeah. Uh, we will train most of the time, but I am not as rigid as Jack is in that sense. My only sort of rigidity is on a Monday morning. I like to get in for six a.m. when no one else is there. I get to do all of my little bits, get my get into the zone, play my tunes. But um, as a whole, I live life quite flexibly around my um, around my structure, if that makes sense. Mm. So with work and my kids and stuff. On the other side of it, I will sort of go where the wind takes me. So on a whole, I will wake up at five, uh, have my coffee, have a cold shower, get myself going, and then I will meet Jack down the gym most of the days. Uh, we'll do a little bit of training together. And then I'll go and take my kids to school. But on the whole, I am the type of person that I believe if I wake up at five in the morning one morning and I'm not feeling it, I will rest that day mm. purely because I think... You know, it's like anything in the world, anywhere where there's no, where it's summer all year round, nothing grows. So I believe that every now and then, if you're not feeling right, you take that rest and then you uh, and then you go again the next day. As long as that doesn't become a habit, you know, yeah. you, uh, you'll be fine. Yeah, I like that. Finding that balance of self-compassion or, or, or being aware versus, as you said, it becomes a habit and you're letting yourself off the hook and you're thinking, ah, oh, tomorrow I'll do it, tomorrow I'll do it. Because yeah. I think that's where a lot of people struggle, to be honest. They're all or nothing. So they say to me, Adrian, I have to do it every single day because if I miss it once, oh, that's it. I can't be bothered and I'm off. So it's nice to know that actually you can go with it, as you say, be a bit more relaxed. And how old are your kids? Uh, my, so I've got, my oldest is 11. 
And then I've got Angelo, who's six, and Gio, who is four next month. Wow. Okay, so you're busy. Yeah. Yeah, very busy. Yeah, love it. Great. Well, thank you so much, both of you. You've been absolutely incredible guests. And as I said, I was so excited to find out more about the, I guess, the people behind. Because I think there's probably a lot of products that we all maybe buy and know and love. And we don't know who the founders are. Was that intentional? Sorry, I feel like I'm going off on a new new unplanned question. But was it intentional or are you going to move on to big you know the faces of the brand or did you always think actually we're going to let the brand be faceless yeah yeah it's, it's been it's been in part of the plan yeah. uh, one thing we we never wanted it to be about us to we wanted free train to take center stage which it has um we understand there's a an element of people are intrigued and people want to know but i think timing is key and mm-hmm. like most things we talked about it enough we know when it's going to happen so we will come out from the brand a little mm-hmm. bit as we're doing now this is yeah. the first podcast um, but yeah, free train is, is absolutely the focus, not us. Great. Well, I'm honoured. So thank you so much. And thanks everyone for tuning in. As always, I appreciate it. Have an awesome week and stay safe. See you.